What is up, Irish fans? Locked on Irish Podcast coming your way right now. Late evening Friday edition. Yeah, getting at this one just a hair, hair too late. I usually like to have these out first thing in the morning, man. I have everything set to release at 4 a.m. And just did not happen today. I went on a marathon yesterday of life that I was running on about two hours of sleep with some local high school coverage. We just took in a new school with uh, my other project. And man, I stayed up. You never ever had one of those projects where you're you're doing any project in your life, not even sports related. And it's like, there's just like 10 more minutes left, right? Oh, just like 10 more minutes. I mean, I'm cutting this highlight and it's like 10 more minutes, right? Yeah. Well, six hours later, and then I have to get up for my real job. And whew, I'll tell you what, that was a good time. Good time. And you know what though? I never did really get like tired. I just kind of, I, I, I droned. It was like peaks and valleys where I would drone, and then I would be like, "All right, man, I can attack this." Who needs sleep? Whoever needs sleep. And then I went to the gym after work and come home, and uh, a show went to a commercial, and then I woke up, uh, yeah, early this morning. So we're getting at it about what nine twenty here on Friday, um, your Friday edition of Locked On Irish podcast. I don't know if there'll be a show tomorrow, so just stick with it. I'll make a post out there. Make sure you're following us, Twitter. Facebook, all the right places, wherever you listen to your podcast, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, apps I've never even heard of. Keep on listening. So good show today planned. Irish get Georgia Tech tomorrow. We will be previewing that in the second segment. And uh, just kind of some random thoughts here in the first segment. Uh, just some random news came through, and I'm kind of glad I didn't do this show until uh, later, until I did have some... Uh, you know, stuff breaks toward the end of the day and things like that. So I was able to gather a few extra notes of some things going on around the, the football program as well as some gripes and complaints from out in out west from another independent school. And uh, third segment today, we are going to get to that running back breakdown because uh, a lot of pressure on Chris Tyree, um, a lot of pressure on the position. Um and, you, you know, I talked to a lot of people. The spring game just got announced, by the way. So we'll talk about that here in just a second. Uh, actually, we'll talk about that in the third segment as well. But uh, you know, a lot of pressure on the running back group. And, and with Chris Tyree coming in, there's a lot of pressure on him because of his speed. And everybody thinks, you know, casual fans, I feel like, think he's going to start right away, 30 carries. People that know the game, follow the game, know that this is not going to be possible. Maybe toward the end of the year next year it could be possible, but he, he's not very big right now. I think he's listed at like 180, depending upon what, what source you look at. Um, so he's going to have to go through he's got to go through the program, more or less. He's going to have to get that strength and conditioning in, and uh, he's going to have to show that he can, he can take that beating, and hopefully he's not too injury prone. So first thing up, Wisconsin game set for an 8 o'clock kickoff. Um, everybody shocked faces. Do we have shocked faces out there? Um, yeah, that's kind of what I thought. You know, they're building this up to be a big game, and it is. the two. These two brands have never played each other. Um, I hate the fact that it's a neutral site game. I, I hate neutral site games in college football anyway. We have these cathedrals of stadiums, and they only get, what, six, seven games at most? And we don't, we just don't use them that much for their purpose, for the purpose of why these cathedrals were built. They're only used for their purpose six or seven times. And a lot of time, most of the time, nothing of actual significance is won on the field as far as a conference championship, a bowl game, 
uh, a, cha- a national title, whatever it is, it's not actually won on those fields. Even in the NFL, you get your AFC, your NFC championship on a home field. And, and so that's always just kind of frustrated me. And especially with these two venues, you know, seeing Wisconsin and the house that Rockney built going to Camp Randall. And this might be my, one of my chances to go to Camp Randall to see uh, see Notre Dame in that stadium and, and we're playing at, at Lambeau, which for me as a Bears fan, you know, I'm just loving that, which I wouldn't mind going to Lambeau. I, I'm all about history of sport. I'm not one of those people that it's like, I can't stand that team. It's my team's rival. No, I never want to go there. I've been to Michigan. I enjoyed it. Uh, I've not been to SC, but I would go. Um, who else? Boston College. You guys know how I feel about them. I would go there. I, I, I love all things that is football. So, you know, I, I nothing against that. I mean, the history of, of the Packers and everything like that alone is just, it's incredible. Every sports fan should should experience that. And on the flip side, Green Bay fans, if you're a fan of Wisconsin and you're also a fan of the Packers, you should you should want to come to, you know, Notre Dame and or uh, Soldier Field. So that game's set for a night, ki- night kickoff. Uh, I do believe that. Is that going to be on NBC? Let's check that out. I'm not real sure when that, what channel that's going to be on. I know it's been reported by reported by NBC, and I know it is the Shamrock Series game, but I am almost positive that the Big Ten owns the rights to this game. I know it's kind of a weird, uh, weird situation with that. So, um, yeah, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, it's going to be a great game this year. Uh, really excited to see these two helmets take the field. So we got a, a, a religious friend out west, I guess one could say, uh, a holy war religious friend out there who's uh, got a little bit of a gripe with Notre Dame. Apparently, the AD at uh, BYU has a little issue with us not repaying a home game with them, which it is a little odd, especially at the time. BYU was a little more of a name brand than it is now. I think we played them in back-to-back years uh, what was that? Would that have been 2012, 2013? And it, it is interesting that we didn't play out there. I mean, we've played at smaller venues or, or even, uh, even less, um, prestigious venues. I know Brady Quinn's senior year, we played at Air Force and I wouldn't, I really personally wouldn't head mind heading out there. I remember when they came over here in 2012 to South Bend, very knowledgeable for sports fans, very passionate, um, passionate fans. They were uh, an exciting game, of course. That was the game that uh, Hendricks, or not Hendricks, um, Tommy played the entire game, started, Everett was hurt. And I think Hendricks did get in for a couple plays. Uh, it's kind of what I was thinking there, thinking and talking at the same time. Uh, really exciting game. Uh, actually, somebody did tweet, in all-time series, we are 6-2. and two. The last time they beat us was in 2004, 20-17. Uh, last matchup was in 2013. We won 23-13. The, the matchup I was talking about in 12, we won 17-14. 05 was uh, 49-23. I believe that was the week after SC, if I'm not mistaken. I feel like we got off to a slow start, but then kind of blew them off the field after that. So, so I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing him on there. I do think it's interesting he's bringing it up now. Uh, it's Tom Holmo, the um, H-O-L-M-O-E. Hopefully that's how you say his name. Uh he, uh, interesting. He brought it up now, not a couple years ago or whatnot, but yeah, you know, wouldn't mind putting them back on there. I mean, I know we've, we've had BG on there this year. We had New Mexico on in the same year. Now, well, we got Toledo, Western Michigan. I mean, I would, I'm a Matt guy and I would rather see BYU on our schedule 
as opposed to some of these uh, lower tier Mac schools. So maybe uh, Captain Jack can make that happen in the next couple years. I know we still got some games to add for 2022, so I could definitely see that as a as a real possibility. Uh, other news from around campus: Olivia Mitchell um, is the new director of football operations at Notre Dame. According to Indy Insider, Mitchell worked as Notre Dame's assistant director of football operations last year under former director of football operations Jason Michelson, who left head coach Brian Kelly's program following the 2019 season. Mitchell is the eighth woman actively working as a director of football operations for a Power 5 program. So pretty awesome stuff there. I don't know much about Olivia, but congratulations to her. And, you know, you, you are seeing a lot, lot more women taking these roles with football teams. I mean, look at Katie Sowers. I mean, I'm really excited about about what she's been able to do. And she went to a college up in Goshen um, near South Bend. So that's pretty cool. Katie's got quite a connection. Uh, wish we could have landed that interview. We were actually ac- actively trying to get Katie on the show to talk about her being the first female to, uh, in coaching to coach in a Super Bowl. So that's awesome stuff. And um, you know, women doing big things in the game of football, that's for sure. So congratulations to Olivia and her new position. So right after this, we're going to get to the Notre Dame and Ramblin' Wreck rematch. All right, Irish fans, here we go. We got the rematch coming up at noon tomorrow, or by the time you listen to this, it'll probably be today. Um, as I said, recording this a little later on Friday, so bear with me. Uh, Georgia Tech, 10-11 now. Uh, since they played us, though, they've won two. They have their first winning streak, second winning streak of the season, uh, if you want to call it that. They did beat NC State, which was a nice win for them, 64-58. to And they beat a school called Morehouse that I know literally nothing about. Now, immediately after our, uh, our, our victory over them, they got beat by Virginia and Louisville by combined combined total of nine points. So they are, and then followed that up with beating North North Carolina State. So they are playing better. They are playing better. That game against Morehouse was uh, what just Tuesday. I actually did not know they played that in the middle of the ACC stretch. That is interesting at best. Let's take a look back real quick at the game against NC State because I really thought NC State, though they didn't. <laughs> The eye test guy, people always talk about that eye test. They didn't pass it for me when we played them. You know, you see what I mean? It's kind of like I watched them, and I, I wasn't thoroughly impressed of what I seen on the court, but they were winning games. I mean, they beat Miami. They beat Virginia this year. Uh, even playing Virginia's game, it's not like they outscored them. 53-51 isn't a lot of points, and they beat Virginia at their own game. They had a nice win over over Wisconsin. They they um, – for whatever reason this year, they just cannot get over the Georgia Tech hump, and they are struggling right now. Um, they've lost to Georgia Tech to open the season. Then they lost to them by six, and in, in North Carolina got off there a little bit of a schneid. Um, I mean, they're, they're having one of the worst seasons in program history. Um, but they uh, got NC State got beat by 10. And I kind of looked at that game and thought, okay, Georgia Tech's really piecing something together, and they are playing better, but... I think NC State's lack of what I see on the court is finally catching up to them. So we look back here at their at Georgia Tech's last quality game out. Jose Alvarado went for 26. Um, good good ball player. We just we've got to be able to contain these guys, and we've got to play better at the point. I have to see more out of Gibbs. I have to see more aggression. It's like we it's like a broken record. We talk about it every single week. More aggression out of the point guard. 
Um, we only beat them by four points the last time, and this might be one of the worst teams in the ACC. We've been very fortunate with this particular stretch of schedule. Now, last time out against Georgia Tech, Prentice had a great game. He went eight of sixteen. He was, you know, had three three pointers. Um, you know, was just played a great game. A great game for him. This still wasn't distributing the ball great. Only three assists. Mooney had a double double. Uh, we just need um we need more. We need more consistency. We cannot just keep doing what we've been doing and playing so safe. I mean, there's one thing I'm playing reckless, and there's another just not taking any chances, not taking any chances at all. Uh, we Michael DeVos, who really got to us when we played them last, he had 22 points. Uh, Alvarado really wasn't even much of a factor. So he played really well last time out against NC State, and maybe he's kind of finding a groove there a little bit. Uh, you know, really shifty point guard. And he only had nine points against Morehouse, but prior to that, I mean, of course, Morehouse, you you could play your third team as a Division One school against somebody like that. But after the, he kind of slumped against us, if you will, only seven points. I mean, he scored in double figures and twice over 20 points between games against Virginia, Louisville, and NC State. So we need to be better inside. We know this. I, I still like to see Durham getting more time. More minutes. Durham had eight points last time out against them. I think the best lineup we can put on the floor right now, honestly, is without Pfluger. I just like our ability to threat on offense more. I do. I just truly like our offense, the way the ball moves. Um, you know, like I said, he's not even a threat on offense. He's just, uh, he's there and it's not, he's not even a threat to shoot the ball let alone a threat to score. Now, looking at some of these stats offensively for Georgia Tech, I mean, 276 in the country in scoring. I feel like I feel like we're going to run away with this game tomorrow. I really do. Uh, they don't shoot the ball well from three. They're in the 300s ranked. Three. I mean, not to just sit here and read stats to you. I don't want to do that. But, I mean, 331st in three-point percentage, just stand back. Don't foul. Just stand back. Because it's likely not going through the the net around the rim. Not happening. Okay? So, let's relax on that. But, you know, we just have to be more aggressive on offense. We need to... We have these spots where it's like the ball movement is great. And we find some success. And then it's like, all right, we're good. You know, it's like... Okay, we're good. Man, can you believe we did that? We actually competed when when it's like the game's not over. We're six minutes into the game. Look no further than Florida State. I mean, y'all knew it was going to happen. You guys knew it was going to happen. We got out early. We were up by 10 points at one point in time. And then there it came. They came right back, and it's like we rest. We take a breath, and we're like, oh, we're good, right? Everybody's good. Sweet. We competed. That's awesome. Now, Jogu got... Good time. He got good time last game out, and he didn't score, but he did come away with three rebounds. I think what he played, like 11 minutes or something like that. That's exactly what Bray needs to do. Maybe he's listening to this show. Maybe he says, you know what, that guy, that guy knows what he's talking about. You know, I didn't realize how long Njogu was either. You know, he can contribute to this team. He's not just holding that chair down. And I just think it's going to be, yeah, it was 11 minutes last time out. It's just going to be good for him to get guys rest. It's such an important part of the season. I mean, there's still a long season to go right now. You guys realize that, right? There's what? We're 12 and 8 right now. 
there's a long way to go. I mean, we got two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We got 11 games that include North Carolina and Duke. And I know Carolina's down, and I got I don't I don't disagree. Totally winnable game. But that name is out there, okay? You got Virginia, Duke, North Carolina. North Carolina's going to have Cole Anthony back by the time that we play again. We have Florida State again. We have Virginia Tech, which is no slouch. You know, Miami's got a bunch of athletes. Pitt is playing decent right now. So it's no time to just rest. It's no time to... Yes, it is time to rest, but it's no time to... What I mean is, Jogu comes in, get guys rest, but it's no time to just burn everybody out. And it's no time to just give up on the year or try to coast down the stretch. There's no stretch right now. Down the stretch is like five games left. Not 11 plus a conference tournament. No, forget that, man. We have got to find some sort of consistency and not let this season fall off the rails. We got a decent win the other night, albeit against Wake Forest, the worst team in the ACC. We do get to see Wake again. We got to go down there. And it is concerning that that game was so competitive early because Wake is awful. But if we can reel off this one against Georgia Tech tomorrow at noon, find a little momentum. We, we stay at home against Pitt. We got four days before that game. Pretty competitive team at 13-8. and eight. Jeff Capel's got them guys rolling in a decent direction. Get that win, and then we get Clemson. And then it builds to Virginia. We couldn't have a better buildup. We played great against Florida State, in my opinion, but to fight back the way we did. We got a crap Wake Forest. We play a slightly better Georgia Tech, slightly better Pitt, slightly better Clemson, and then we jump into back-to-backers against Virginia and Duke within four days. So this is the perfect way to build up if we're trying to do it. I don't know if we can. I don't know how much success we can have, but it, it all starts with tomorrow. I predict a win over Georgia Tech. Give uh, give me the Irish. Oh, let's go 74-61. I like the Irish tomorrow. All right, guys, back at it. Locked on Irish podcast. So let's talk about breakout players. Let's talk about the spring game a little bit. Spring game has been set, and I know everybody's excited to see there's gold helmets back out on the field, but hit us up on the on the Twitter there. Let us know your thoughts, at Locked on Irish. Let us know what you're thinking about as far as the player you want to see the most, or who? what are you looking for the most in that player? Are you, are you looking at defense? Are you looking at the development of a certain player? I know I'm excited about Drew White and uh, JOK, and I'm excited to see Kyle Hamilton and, and Isaiah Pryor, the transfer from Ohio State. I'm really excited to see those guys come out there and, and see what they can do on defense. Now, I do look for, just like any other time, I look for the uh, offense to be behind the defense. So if the offense comes out and looks like crap, you know, I think I would pretty much almost expect it. But on the flip side, you know, we have a fifth-year senior quarterback coming out. And, you know, you know, there's so, so much with – with book, you have so many. I'm laughing because you have so many people on each side of the ledger. Some people can't believe it. He's coming back. Oh God, the sky is falling. Jerkovic transferred. Help! What are we gonna do? Let's just wait on Buckner. And then you have the other side of it that thinks he's gonna win a Heisman Trophy next year. I find it falls somewhere in between, where I just feel like let's wait and see. Is he what he is? Can he get a little bit better? You know, I would take just a little bit better. I don't need a Heisman out of him. I want one. Um. Teams can win without a dominant quarterback. It helps. Oh, it absolutely helps. 
But, you I mean, you look at the 49ers right now. It's Super Bowl week, so we'll bring that, that reference. Jimmy Garoppolo's thrown 27 times in the playoffs leading up to the Super Bowl. So, you don't necessarily... And, like, you look at guys like Greg McElroy. I mean, he wasn't a great quarterback. Um, A.J. McCarron, he was fine. But the team around him was just whew, tremendous. Now, these quarterbacks, they have to make a big play. Um, you know, they have to... You know, they have to come up with that key third down or make the right read at the line of scrimmage and things like that. They have to play elite in spots no matter what. You cannot just, you can't win with, I don't know, you can't win a national title with an Evan Sharpley. All, you know, I, I love Evan. He's a great dude, and I love even more of what he's done after his career at Notre Dame. But you're not winning a national title with Evan Sharpley. Basically, it doesn't matter how good your team is. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, a Matt Lavecchio. You're not winning a national title with that guy at quarterback, regardless of who's who's around him. Gary Godsey, not winning a national title. Sorry, it's just not happening. So you have to have some talent at quarterback, and you have to have elite decisions made at certain points. So, yeah, let us know what you're thinking. We'll, well, obviously, we're going to be carrying four to five shows a week until the spring game. Uh, we're going to beat that thing to death, talking about each position, what you're most excited about. Spring game is, I didn't even say it earlier, we are set for April 18th. Clear your calendars at 1230 on NBC Sports. So while we're doing a little pub, let's talk about this podcast. If you're a listener of this podcast, I am sure that you've heard about all the great advertisers we've been working with with Locked On to reach sports fans, but you may not know that Locked On Irish is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Notre Dame fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Notre Dame fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you soon. And as you know, Notre Dame... Not just a local brand. We are worldwide, countrywide, all the wides. Get in contact with us. Let's let's let our business work with yours. Let's do this thing. Can't wait to hear from you guys for sure. So with the spring game being talked about here, it kind of got me thinking. I seen this article on uh, ESPN talked about the breakout player for each team, each top twenty-five team. And first off, I thought it was interesting that they brought up Chris Tyree as ours, a guy who hasn't even taken a snap yet. And because I was thinking like JOK or somebody like that, but I guess they already broke out this this year. So, okay, let him live there. But a, a guy that hadn't even taken a snap, I thought this is kind of lazy. But it is true. He could be the breakout player. And so we got with all this pressure. We talked about that earlier in the show. All the pressure that's on a guy like Chris Tyree, it got me to thinking, okay, if he's going to be the guy, what can we realistically expect? So I reached all over the place, various running backs over the past few years, and this is what I found. As far as their true freshman or very first season playing, how many yards did guys go for? 
Ezekiel Elliott only went for 262, which I don't know how I forgot that. Sony Michelle, for the most part, playing behind Nick Chubb, went for 410. Saquon went for over 1,000, went for 1076. Nick Chubb, 1547. Christian McCaffrey only went for 300. Uh, Travis Henry, 382. Rashad Penny, 22 yards. I think he was hurt his first year, uh, running back at San Diego State, and then came back and went for 368. I did find that. So his first full year, only 368. But then you got a guy like A.J. Dillon. Of course, he's built a lot bigger than Tyree. Went for 1589. I thought it was a typo for a minute. That's why I hesitated. Uh, yeah, 1589. Woo! And you got Chuba Hubbard, Oklahoma State running back. His freshman year went for 740. Jonathan Taylor, 1977, a total outlier. <laughs> then you have uh, Travis Atien, 766. J.K. Dobbins, 1403. My goodness. You know, I hadn't. Man, that guy was so good at Ohio State. And in my opinion, I think he was probably better than Ezekiel Elliott, even though Zeke kind of gets more of the pub and more of the recognition. But just going through that, I mean, just kind of looking. I just cherry-picked, just random names. I, I was just thinking off the top of my head. I actually did this a couple of weeks ago. And it just hasn't come up yet on the show. So that's what you can you can expect pretty much anything at this point. I mean, with the with that, it really gives us no trends um, other than he could be really good or he could just have a few yards. But I just thought it would be interesting to talk about. And then you look at this list and you look at who he's most like. He he's built right now. I mean, you look at the smaller backs on this list. Rashad Penny, only twenty two yards that first year. Now, Dobbins isn't huge, went for 1403. Same with Taylor. ATN only went for 766. But I also look at a guy like McCaffrey, only had 300 yards his first year. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, what do you guys think? Hit us up again at Locked On Irish on Twitter. How many yards do you think Chris Tyree is going to get this year? All this pressure on him, knowing the numbers I just gave you from the first year of these, these, you know, big name running backs in college football over the last, you know, say uh, nearly what seven, eight years. These all these guys played. Uh, let me know what you think. I think he probably gets our. In my opinion, I'd say he gets somewhere around five, six hundred yards this year. Now, I think I'll go seven. I'm going to go seven forty-four. Over under seven forty-four. Let's make some bets. I just think that Kelly's going to lean more on Jafar Armstrong early. And then if these other guys develop, you got, you know, Kyron Williams, who ended up redshirting. Um, I mean, Sebo Flemister, that's my guy. Uh, it really started to look like he was coming into his own toward the end of the year. So I just don't know that he's going to get all these carries that everybody thinks he is. I think he's actually going to be more of a threat out of the backfield. Getting him in space is going to be incredible, as opposed to making him work between the tackles. So I I true I think he's going to be successful. I just don't think it's right away like everybody else seems to think that this guy is just going to come in and uh he's just going to be prepared to, you know, take home about what six Heisman trophies in 5 years. So all right guys, we got Irish basketball tomorrow at noon. It is on ACC Extra Network. Make sure all the questions I asked during the show hit us up on the Twitter page. Let's build that freaking Twitter page, man. I don't know why I struggle so much on Twitter. I mean, I'm only 33, and apparently Facebook's for old people, and I'm dominating Facebook, and I can't do jack with Twitter. So remember, it's at Irish on Twitter. Spotify, 
iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you like to get your pods, listen to us. We are the official Notre Dame podcast of the Locked On Podcast Network. So till tomorrow, possibly? Yeah, we'll, we'll get it in tomorrow. We'll, we'll definitely come up with a good show tomorrow. Until then, go Irish. <laughs>